0: This is Money Guide with Mary Stirk from Stirk Financial Services.
1: Now, here's Mary Stirk. Welcome to Money Guide with Mary Stirk and today we're going to talk about college saving top tips. There are a lot of different ways to save for college, and there's a lot of different ways to utilize the money you have saved for college. So it's August, and we thought that a college-focused show would be just the ticket right about now. So with me, I have financial planner Kelsey Banke. And Kelsey, what would you say is the absolute top-of-mind most tax way ways save for college that is the most popular one right now?
0: Well, for sure, it'd be the 529 plans, Mary, and and that's because they're pretty flexible um, in in how to use them, and there's a wide variety of people that can use them. So that's kind of the exciting um, benefits of that, and we can dive into that today.
1: Yeah, and, and one of the things that's interesting about the 529 plans is the evolution of them. So when they first came out, they weren't nearly as flexible as they are now. But now they actually allow you to save for money save money for education in a tax advantaged way that you can use not only for college, but you can now use it for K through twelve tuition. And so it's it's really opened up from a flexibility standpoint into what you can actually use that money for. So when it comes to a 529 plan, the, the first thing to understand is that they're connected to the states. So the, the reality is that almost every state has a 529 plan and that you can use any state's plan no matter where you actually are. Yes,
0: that's true. Now, there is sometimes a benefit for using your own state plan um some will give you you know some state tax benefits potentially Mm -hmm. um so it is important to explore that um if your state doesn't offer that then you might want to shop around and see if you know any of the states have a, a better plan for you based on you know maybe the investment choices or company you like better or something like that but um, first, you would definitely want to identify if you get any benefit for using your own plan, um, own state's plan, um, as opposed to an out-of-state plan. Now, it doesn't matter where your child goes to college mm-hmm. um, in, as far as which state you use. So um, the location of the school, the
1: location that you live,
0: as far as the, the tax benefits from um, a federal level.
1: Really don't matter yeah. um, from the plan standpoint. And that's because there's no federal deductibility when you put your money in. So you, it doesn't matter what state's plan you put your money into. You're not going to get a federal tax deduction for contributing. But what you do get, you get the ability to accumulate value in the 529 on a tax-deferred rate. So any earnings that happen inside the account are deferred on their taxation. And you actually can take those earnings out tax-free if the money is used to pay for qualified education expenses. So there's a lot of different um, interpretations of what that means, but generally speaking, it's going to be room and board, tuition, books and fees, and then supplies that are needed. So it can be a Um, A computer or things like that, you know, that you need for school, that is something that generally speaking is a qualified expense. But when you think about room and board, it doesn't necessarily have to be a dormitory, it can be an apartment as long as it's like for college living, while your child is enrolled full time in school. So those are the general categories that the money can come out and be used for, where you're going to get that federal tax break on the back end of things. Now, yeah, yeah. that's
0: pretty awesome benefit. If you ask Mm -hmm. me to be able, I mean, if you think about people who take advantage of this early on for their children or grandchildren, and they save maybe for several years and have, you know, potentially several years worth of growth. I mean, that's the whole point of trying to use this is you're hoping for some growth. And then to be able to take that out tax free if they go to school and have those expenses. I mean, could be a pretty great benefit.
1: Yeah, and normally it's an unlimited amount when it's a college or graduate school in the United States that's accredited by the Department of Education, but if it's coming out for K-12 through 12 tuition, it's normally capped at $10,000 a year is what you can take out. So just be aware that there's some nuances in terms of how you can actually take money out of 529 plans. Now in terms of the limits of contributions, what's nice about them is that they actually have high lifetime contribution limits. So you actually can put up to, and this does vary by state, but a lot of states are as high as $350,000 can be contributed to a 529 plan. So it's a beautiful way to um, actually create a, a huge pool of money that's education focused when you have a large estate. You can contribute it to the 529 plan. All of the growth on that would be going tax deferred going forward. All of the earnings can come out in a tax free way if it's used for qualified education expenses and you can put a big bunch of money into it. And most people aren't putting 350000 into it right at the get-go. Most people are putting monthly <laughs> amounts in or annual amounts in for their kids. But it does have some very unique applications. If you want to create almost like a legacy of education for your family, for children, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and things like that, it's just a beautiful way to utilize funds in your family and get a fabulous tax break on the back end of it, too yeah and this is one of the benefits. There's not a whole lot of them it doesn't seem like when we're looking
0: at investments, but this is one that has unlimited participation. So anyone, regardless of what their income level is can use a five twenty nine plan um, for saving for education, which is kind of great. For right. those people that have make a lot of money in the in the year and and all that they're not um, being limited to their participation. They can go ahead and participate.
1: So one of the reasons that you can actually get so much money into here is because you can actually do what's called accelerated gifting. And 529 plans have this kind of unique advantage. And this is something that's really cool for grandparents, right? So if you're a grandparent and you're wanting to help that little tot, you know, plan for college in the future, then you can contribute to your grandchild's education, um, you know, while reducing your own estate which may have been subject to some type of unique taxation. So because of this accelerated gifting thing, then in a single year, you can actually give a lump sum gift of up to five times the annual gift limit, which right now is 15,000. So in a single year, you could actually gift up to $75,000 per person to a 529 account for somebody, which means a married couple can gift up to 150,000. And there's no gift tax that's owed, And it's, you know, it's something that as long as that beneficiary is listed as the child or grandchild, it's considered a gift that's a completed gift from estate planning purposes. So there really is opportunity for grandparents to supercharge and accelerate the savings in retire or in these five twenty-nine plans for their kiddos, their grandkiddos. So you pair this with the flexibility of who can use it, and that's where the magic really starts to happen. So, Kelsey, share with people how it works. If you have a grandchild and they decide they're not going to use that money and not going to go to school,
0: well, the money can be used by any um, family member, really. So, if you have a, if you set it aside for one grandchild and that grandchild decides they're going to go a different path, um, you can change the beneficiary on the account. Um, to a different grandchild or you can split it into um, multiple accounts for great grandchildren or whatever the case may be. So I, I really like this feature um, mm-hmm. because I just think it's very difficult when, you know, let's say you start this when a, a grandkid is born well, that's 18 years before they're making a college decision, most likely. And and with all the options that are out there, they might not decide to go to college. So it, it would be difficult to set aside money if it was really restrictive. And that's what I absolutely love about the 529 plans is that you can say, okay, that kiddo didn't go to college, that's fine. But you know what, I have another grandchild or I have um, great grandchildren coming eventually, and you can uh, change the the benefit of that plan to be for one of those other people, if you'd like. So um, not limited, but it, if you do want the tax benefits, it does have to be used for um, the qualified education expenses for somebody, but that can change. Yeah,
1: and what's, what's interesting about this, now you can transfer... The money in your account to a different 529 plan only once per calendar year, but you can change the beneficiary's name on existing accounts as often as you would like to. So it does really give you the ultimate flexibility in terms of who's going to use that money and being able to preserve that tax deduction if some of these plans change and they're not actually going to go use it for school. Now, there, the, another piece of this that's nice is that, that the 529 plans, um, by and large, also allow for professional money management. So some of them are direct with the state that people can just go online and they can go open an account and choose their own investments. But often there are also ones available where a financial advisor can get involved and help people do that. So what we generally tell people is that if you're super techie and, and you're comfortable setting up your own investment accounts online, then a 529 plan is a way that you probably can save some cost by doing it direct but if you're just not someone that's comfortable with that and you want to have professional collaboration on it, then your advisor can actually help you set those up for the education savings side of things. Now, with every investment, there is certainly potential drawbacks. Of course, 529s don't necessarily have guaranteed rates of returns, and their investment flexibility is going to be a little bit limited, meaning that you're going to be limited to the investment choices that that particular state's 529 offers. Um, And you can only change the investment options on your existing contributions at a maximum of twice per year. So there's a little bit of, of, you know, nuance to understanding how to actually manage it. But those, you know, by and large are the most common ways that people do save for college. Welcome back to Money Guide with Mary Stirk, And today we're talking about college savings tops tips. So we've talked a little bit about 529s, and we've talked a little bit even about how grandparents can supercharge college savings for grandkids. But I want to pivot a little bit, and let's talk about a couple of other ways that can, you know, college savings actually can be done. And there is an older style of account that doesn't get used as much anymore, but it is something that can be utilized, and it's called a Coverdell Education savings account. So when, when you're thinking about a Coverdell account, it's something that you can use it for um, education and it allows you to use it for elementary school, you know, ele- K through 12 education as well. But it's not as flexible as the 529 is and mostly because you can only put a certain amount of money into it. So Kelsey, what's the limit for the contributions to the actual Coverdell accounts? So the maximum annual limit is $2,000 a year. Um, that mm-hmm. means, yeah, per year,
0: yeah, sorry. Um, and that so that means that the total amount contributed for any particular beneficiary in a given year can't exceed that $2,000, even if the money comes from different
1: people. It also has limitations in terms of whether or not you can contribute based on your income. And the reason for that. Um, is just because of the way that they actually built that uh, the, these types of plans. So the Coverdell accounts were created before the five twenty nines, and people were using them because the Coverdells allowed you to utilize it for tax advantage savings and get it for the K two twelve, K through twelve education. But now that the five twenty nines have changed their rules, and you can also use them for. Decade through twelve education, the Coverdell accounts have become even less used. So it's possible, but it's not something we're going to spend a lot of time on because they just aren't used as much. Now, another way that you can save for um, education is in something called custodial accounts, and a custodial account is often called an UGMA, UGMA, or an UTMA. UTMA, and basically what happens with these is you're putting money into an account, and it's actually in a minor's account with you as the custodian. But Kelsey, what's the biggest downfall of the fact that it's a minor's account with a custodian on it?
0: Well, the the money is technically the kids, right? so it does get counted into their FAFSA calculation, um, and will will be calculated at a, a different rate for determining if the child's eligible for grants or scholarships or things like that. So um, it's it's out there. It's an option, but if you're going to heavily rely on um, scholarships and grants and things like that, it it may or may not be the right place for you to do that savings.
1: The other big downfall of it is because it is technically the child's money when they get to the age of majority, which in many states is the age of eighteen. Technically, it's their money, and technically, they have access to it if they want it. So, if they're aware that the money exists and aware that it actually becomes theirs, they're the ones with legal rights to it, not you as the custodian. So, that's a detriment to these custodial accounts is that if you don't, you know, let's say you get crossways with your teenager, which certainly has happened in the history of teenagers, then this could be a problem if they realize that that money is theirs and they have the legal right to go get it. so that's one of the reasons that custodial accounts are, are not used as often. But they are sometimes still used if you feel like you don't have to worry about that piece of it. They're used because they're not limited to being used for education. So sometimes people want to set aside, aside money for their children and they want it to be for maybe their wedding or maybe they're saving it for to help their kids buy their first home or something like that. And a custodial account is a great way to do that because it doesn't have the limitations on it that it's supposed to be used for education. It does not carry any of the same tax benefits as the 529 and Coverdell because it does not grow tax-deferred and it doesn't come out tax-free. But the flexibility on the usage is something that people like with the custodial accounts.
0: Yeah, uh, they're interesting accounts. They're definitely an option for you to consider. But I think counseling your kids as they approach on, you want to make sure that they understand money as they approach that age yeah. majority, because if you've saved several hundred thousand dollars in one of these and your kid is not great with money for you know whatever reason, um, that money could be gone very quickly if they figured out um, that it's theirs and they can use it. So um, make sure if you set one of those up, if you're funding it heavily, that You're doing a lot of financial education with your kid to make sure that they can be responsible
1: with that when it comes theirs. Now, another way that you can save for college is by using the cash value of a life insurance plan. And what people do with this is use it kind of as a self-completing circle. So I'll give you an example of, you know, my own one that I did myself so you know 20 years ago when my kids were young and and I certainly was in a different financial position myself I knew that if something happened to me I would want money to be set aside to protect my children's college education so I took out a life insurance policy on myself that had a death benefit of about $200,000 and so if I died that $200,000 could be set aside and then used to pay for college for my three kids in the meantime, though, I was overfunding the cash value. So I wasn't just making the minimum payments to actually have life insurance. I was putting in as much as I could to build the cash value. And inside of the policy, the cash value has you know, been growing and building up a lump sum of money that's inside there. And the cash value in many life insurance policies can be structured so that if you want to borrow that to use it for college or even just simply withdraw it when the time comes that college expenses hit, you have the opportunity to potentially do that. So a life insurance policy for college planning can be a savings vehicle as well as an insurance vehicle in case something happens to you as the parent to provide money to set aside to be used to pay for college. Now, what I did with my kids is I actually did a combination of a 529 plan and this life insurance cash value strategy. And the reason for that is that having three kids, I wasn't exactly sure who would go to college, who might finish college, and exactly how much money that might cost. I didn't know who would be getting scholarships and who wouldn't be getting scholarships and things like that. So I wanted to have kind of the ultimate flexibility. And then if the kids didn't use it, I didn't want to have all the money trapped in a 529 plan that's for education purposes. I really wanted to have it in the life insurance policy so I could reposition it to use it myself for retirement if I wanted to. And that combination of things really worked well because I did use all of the money in the 529 plans to pay for school for my kids. But I did not end up using all of the money in the life insurance policy. In fact, that all stayed in there and I didn't need to use it. I was able to cash flow the expenses for college at the time college came around. So in essence, what began as a college savings ended up just being an addition to my own retirement savings. And that's kind of a beautiful thing that the life insurance has the flexibility to do that the 529 plan doesn't really have the flexibility to do. Okay. So let's talk for just a minute about actually how the financial aid impact of this all comes together. When you're getting ready to apply for school, you have to fill out a form that's called a FAFSA form, F-A-F-S-A. And at the end of the day, what that FAFSA form is going to spit out to you is a number that says, here's what you can afford to spend on your child's college education, So accounts that are in your child's name count more heavily against you than accounts that are in a parent's name and even less heavily against you if they're in a grandparent's name. So there is a little bit of a method to the madness of how you title these accounts in order to minimize the amount that the colleges say you have to pay for and maximize the amount that might be eligible for grants or um, loans, especially loans with preferred lending provisions in them. So keep that in mind when you're kind of talking about the actual usage of the money. Another thing when it comes to usage of the money is how you actually take that money out of the account. So Kelsey, when you're working with your clients and they're ready to send the money out for this college, are you normally advising that they send it directly to the school or are you advising that they just take out the cash? If
0: you can send it to the school, that's usually um, a a beneficial way to do it. Mm -hmm. Um, it, First of all, just eliminates the (laughs) middleman at the get-go. But getting it directly to the school just makes it easier all around.
1: Right. And what people don't necessarily know is that there's like a $10,000 mark that if you're taking out more than 10,000, it can raise a red flag for an audit possibility. But if you can show that it just went directly to the school, it it really does reduce that potential of the audit possibility. If you take out 10,000 and just have it come to you, then the IRS might become, you know, looking around in an audit to say, "Where are the receipts that prove that you had an education expense?" Whereas if it went directly to the school, the proof is already in the fact that it went directly to the school. <laughs> so those are some really great tips in terms of how to save for college in a tax-advantaged way, and also a few things to be thinking about on the end of the day, you know, at the end of the day when you're actually ready to start taking those monies out and using them for school. So we hope this has been timely with back-to-school time, and we hope that it's been valuable information, and we thank you for listening to Money Guide with Mary Stirk.